where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you're doing well today in 2021. Where is my spaceship from the Jetsons? I thought back in the 80s that's what we would have by now, but alas, we still have the combustible engine, and not much has really changed aside from the government spying on us with all this technology and touchscreen stuff. And Either way, my birthday, which I'm not going to tell you what day it is because you could Hack my identity, as they would say. You know what? We should do an episode on the cashless society. The, the goal, the ruling elite to to make us not have cash anymore. Because that one of the arguments they say about why we need to use credit card and eventually get credit cards put in our wrists is counterfeiting. And then later it's identity hacking. But either way, my birthday is coming up. And I will be 47. 47. 47. Now, if you guys know what I look like, I don't look like I'm 47. Nevertheless, Father Time continues and we will all die. Connected to that is today's topic. Can you go MGTOW or be MGTOW and still be a Christian? Now, MGTOW has versatility. Going your own way would suggest that it has versatility. If you don't know, there's five levels of MGTOW. Level one is you still engage in short-term relationships, long-term relationships, pump and dumps, whatever. And as you get to five, you're by five, you're not engaging with any other human being. You're living in a cabin in the wood in, in, in the main, in the main, up in Maine. So you can do what you want as you're going your own way, as the name would suggest. There is versatility to it. I would tell you. This is one of the alluring factors of MGTOW. And think about it. On one level, a lot of men were MGTOW before they got married. Let's say in high school and college, certainly in college, you were a bachelor. MGTOW is essentially a, a, a repackaged rebranding of being a bachelor, a bachelor life. And when you were in college, you were a bachelor. Some of you, yes, you know, were you still with your high school girlfriend or you got a girlfriend your freshman year and you had the same girl for four years. Most of you dudes who had a modicum of micro SMV, micro SMV meaning even though your overall SMV is pretty low in your 20s, early 20s, you still can get laid in college, especially now that the sex positive movement has just totally overcome all the universities. I mean, Jesus, the women now are all thoughts. So along with getting, you know, banging, you're going to get at herpes. But most of you guys lived the bachelor life in college. Sure, you might have had a long-term, short-term, maybe six-month relationship, whatever. But most of you guys were getting your... Blank, wet, in the gooeyness. You were loving it. You're like, I don't know, maybe I won't get married. And then, of course, the pressure comes. You got to get married or you meet, quote, the unicorn. And then from there, havoc ensues. And now you're single, perhaps. Now you're you're a divorcee or whatever it is. 
So the mindset is go back and be a bachelor, right? Freedom, independence, autonomy, do what you want, when you want, with where you want, and so forth. Now, Christianity, a lot of people find it oppressive. It tells me what to do, and if I don't do it, I'm going to hell. No. Christianity should be, those who are Christian and properly evangelize it, it's supposed to be happy. Our God, who is revealed to us, sent his only begotten son so we could go to heaven. He loved us that much that he sent his only begotten son to atone for the sins of the fall of Adam and Eve so we could go to heaven. We have a personal God who loves us. Now, so if you look at the teachings of the Old Testament and certainly of the Gospels and some of the epistles, Christ and St. Paul and, and St. Peter and the people who wrote the, the, uh, the epistles, they give you guidelines as to what acts you do that will bring you closer to God. Now, if you look at some of these acts, like as enumerated in the Book of Romans, St. Paul, he'll say drunkenness, not good. Lesbian and homosexual activity, not good. Fornication, not good. Idolatry, not good. All of these kind of make sense. So the church... And then the church, of course, rose from the, the apostles, and then we don't have to go through church history here, but it rose through the apostles, and the church, because you, you got to understand, we're, we're not going to go on like Christian apologetics. The Bible just didn't show up on somebody's door in 284 AD. Christ left oral teachings and the apostles. So the successors of the apostles, for example, St. Peter, And those who heard Christ's teaching eventually wrote some of the things down. So if you look at Mark, the book of Mark, the book of Mark, he is a disciple of Peter. If you look at Luke, Luke was a disciple of Paul. And then, of course, John and Matthew were actual apostles. So they wrote down some of the things Jesus said, not everything, but they wrote some of the stuff down in Greek. And then eventually... The successors of the apostles, like Peter, got together and decided, hey, let's put these writings together in a book. You know, what we would call a book. They didn't really have books back then, per se. Let's get it together. Let's collate them into a canon. And that's essentially how we got the Bible. And, and the Bible is what, what the Christians would say is inspired by the Holy Spirit and infallible and, and to divine. But... The teachings of the Old and New Testament are not supposed to be restrictive. They're supposed to be a guideline, and if you follow them, your life will be better. Let's just look at uh, Exodus, right? Let's look at the Ten Commandments. Imagine how much better our world would be if everybody followed the Ten Commandments. Honor your parents. Go to church. But especially the, the love thy neighbor as yourself, the last seven or so. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. Don't don't murder, right? Imagine if we all did this. So going back to McDowell and and uh can you be a Christian? Look, it's very clear. Old and New Testament. The biggest sin is the sin of concupiscence, the sins of the flesh, like Peter is told by Jesus. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's our main problem. 
along with, along with the seven deadly sins, especially with women, you know, it's vanity. With men, it's greed. But all of them. But the sins of the flesh. And vis-a-vis intersexual dynamics, the biggest sins of the flesh is going to be sex, of course. And it's pretty clear. Christ says it. St. Paul says it. says in the Old Testament. Fornication is a grave sin. Sex is supposed to be in the confines of marriage. Sex is supposed to be procreative and unitive. And it's a sacrament, and it's really, even though we, it's hard for us to see it now because it's been so cheapened, partly because of Hollywood, we don't see it as a holy act. Now, some will say, oh, Gregor, that means what? You're only supposed to do sex in one position, have put a, put a sheet between the two of you with a hole in them? No. You can go crazy on sex with your wife if you're, if you're married in the church, sacramentally marriage. Don't get it wrong. You can just screw each other like monkeys. You can do it like they do it on the animal planet, whatever that stupid song was. Yeah, no, you can do each other any way, any way you want. You can get all toys and all these things. You can have a very fulfilling sex life in a Christian marriage. Really, though, you're not supposed to do the A-N-A-L. And really, theoretically, since it's procreative and unitive, you're, you're, the man's supposed to finish always in the hoo-ha. Not anywhere else, but <laughs> either way. So look, fornication, sex outside of wedlock, whether it's straight or homosexual, is an immoral act. It is a sin. It's always been considered a sin since the early church. So going back to MGTOW and Christianity and the versatility of it. You can be a MGTOW monk. You're not relating to women. You're not dating women. Uh, you're not doing pump and dumps and all this. And, of course, you could be in a godly state. You can still be in an ungodly state by sinning other ways, stealing, embezzling, you know, lying, you know, doing things like that, malice. But vis-a-vis intersexual dynamics, certainly, yeah, you can be a monk. Again, versatility. Now, if you are pumping and dumping or just banging in, in as many women as you want, doing sugar daddies, sugar baby stuff, that is that is fornication, guys. And this is one of the things that people don't understand about why the church has always been against homosexuality. It's it's not necessarily they're against sodomy. It's, again, only people who should be having sex are those that are found in the confounds of marriage. So the same exhortation they give gay people not to have sex is the same exhortation they give heterosexual people not to have sex. It should only be in the confines of marriage. So I've talked about it. You either go, get married or go MGTOW. That, that are, that's your two options if you're a man who wants to have sex. You either get married, because then all the sex you do, crazy sex you do, is licit, not illicit. Or you don't have sex. Those are really your two options. You doing anything in between, fornicating, having relationships, pumping dumps, tender stuff, that's all mortal sins. And if you die in a state of mortal sin, especially if you're unrepentant, you can go to hell. Now, if you decide to be a monk, which is great, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates you can't be a monk. In the Catholic Church, in the Orthodox Church, we have three vocations. You either have the married vocation or calling, let's say, priestly vocation as a priest, or a single vocation. Now, some of the people in the single vocation maybe want to get married, but they can't. Either they're female or male incels, involuntary celibates, literally, they can't get married, or they choose that. And if you look scripturally, and again, the Catholic and Orthodox churches 
We, we have the Bible, but it's three prongs. We have the magisterium teaching of the church, the one teaching that is founded by the, the successors of the apostles. Because think about it, when you don't have one unified teaching, you have Protestantism, where there's 24,000 denominations, which are often contradicting each other. But we have the magisterial teaching. We have oral, sacred oral tradition, because again, they wrote down some of this stuff, not all of this stuff. And before you're all sola scriptura, sola scriptura, and then we have the Bible, that's the third thing. Sola Scriptura, understand the idea, the Protestant idea of Sola Scriptura, where if it's not in the Bible, you can't believe in it. There's nowhere in the Bible it says that you have to endorse Sola Scriptura. That's what I love about literalists, like the like the 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 the, uh, the fundamentalist kind of like that. If it's not in the Bible, or you can't believe. Well, look, it, there's nowhere in the Bible that it says Sola Scriptura. And then how do you know Mark wrote Mark if nowhere in Mark it says Mark wrote Mark? So you do believe in sacred tradition, you just don't know it. Why do you believe in the Trinity, even though the word Trinity is never used in the Bible? Either way. So if you look at the Bible, along with what sacred tradition teaches in the Magisterium, but if you look at the Bible, there are a lot of people who are monks in the Bible. St. Paul, traveling around, preaching the word. He, didn't, he wasn't married at the time. Peter, sacred tradition would suggest that Peter was married. Uh, and I think it's alluded to kind of in the Gospels. But Peter was married, but he was um, essentially a monk. The apostles were all monks. St. John, the one that Jesus favored, was a monk. And there's other people. And it, it even shows in 1 Corinthians. And this is where the, the Catholic and Orthodox, but certainly the Catholic, because in Orthodox Church, you, you do see some married priests, but the, the, the higher level, the bishops can't be married. This is where the, the, the Catholic Church gets its discipline that men, that priests shouldn't be married. Because St. Paul in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, talks about how it's best, if essentially, if you are a leader in the church, that you don't get married because it's too hard. You end up having two masters. You have a conflict of interest because you have the interests of your family and then the interests of the church. And he recommends that you don't marry. And this is where the Catholic Church has had the, its tradition of not having married priests. Well, Gregory, this is why there's a priest abuse scandal. No, look, there's an abuse scandal in the church. And let's be real. The the amount of priests that have been convicted of, of, of pedophilia is 0.3% of all priests. And the rates are infinitely higher in daycares, child protective services, and public schools. Infinitely higher, but we don't hear that. But that's not the problem. The problem why there is an abuse scandal in the church is not married priests. It's the type of people who went to the seminary the last 50 years. And we're not going to talk about We've brushed kind of upon conspiratorial history in the past episodes. But uh, we're not really, we don't have the time to talk about the infiltration that happened to the church and who infiltrated it and so forth. But. So look, we sin, we falter. So if some of you are like, uh, I don't want to date, you know, I'm going to be a monk. And then you see the unicorn or you start dating and you start banging because you can't be in a chase relationship with a woman. And look, why can't you be in a chase relationship with a woman? You're not, you're not a monkey. I know this is so countercultural, especially for you 20-somethings. What, you want me to have a girlfriend and not banger? I know it's hard, but it is possible. We used to do that, you know. We used to not have sex with somebody until we were married. But for MGTOW, it's hard because you're never planning to get married. right? But let's say you get an STR, 
and then you have sex, of course you can always ask for forgiveness, right? The sins of the flesh are there and God's always there. God will forgive any sin. Any sin. Aside from the sins of the Holy Spirit, but he'll essentially forgive any sin. So what am I saying in closing here? MGTOW affords versatility in how you live it. Of course, look at the Buddhist monks. You can be a monk and sit around and pray and, of course, have fun with your life, work hard, purge your demons, all the things we talk about. But you choose not to interact with women. And, of course, you'll be in a state of grace. You're not sinning. So you can be a good Christian man when you are monking it. But don't be deceived by the snares of the devil. I did the prayer of St. Michael last episode. Don't be deceived by the glamour of evil because like Ephesians says, right? This world is run by the the principalities uh, and so forth. The devil runs them, right? So you can't you you can't fall for the lies of Hollywood. You having sex outside of the confines of marriage is a grave sin. Do not be in denial about that. It is a grave sin. And if you care about your salvation, you won't do it, or at least you're limited and then ask for forgiveness. Oh, Gregory, once saved, always. Okay, look, we don't have time to go through all that nonsense. Why, why don't we just do like a whole episode? Well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll post a post if you want to do one on, on Christian apologetics. But yes, you can lose your salvation. Christ died for us so we can have salvation, but certainly we can lose our salvation. And there's plenty of, of scriptural evidence for you Protestants who only go by the scripture. There's plenty of scriptural evidence that would suggest that. And for those of you who are Orthodox and Catholic, we don't only use Scripture. We use other things to, to demonstrate that is, in fact, true. But either way, yes, you can go your own way and be a good Christian so long as you're not fornicating, among other things like cheating and stealing. The website's Naturopathic Earth. Go check out all the articles that we have there if you want to help us out. There's a PayPal link found in the episode notes here. Click on it. Also, what really helps is if you can post an honest review. Do it right now. It takes you two seconds. You go like, Gregory, I hate how you talk about religion. Religion's bad. Opie to the masses. You know, all right, post that. I don't, I don't care. Just post an honest review. What else can you do? Go to Naturopathic Earth. There's a link in the episode notes here because I know it's hard to spell. And then you can check out all the articles that we have there and the recipes. I've got tons of paleo-inspired recipes. And my two books are on the main page on the right side. Click on that takes you to Amazon. Anything you buy on Amazon within 24 hours by going through our links, we get a 2% commission, no expense to you. We meaning me. And it helps defray the cost of supporting this on uh, on SoundCloud and, and, and having the website up and so forth. So I would appreciate that, hosting this podcast. So please do that. If you need help from the, the, the red pill perspective or, or weight loss, contact me through the clarity.fm link found in the episode notes. Also, go check out Confessions of an Obese Child and the female holistic health apothecary. We just did an episode on mammograms versus thermograms. What's the best way to detect breast cancer? And the answer, of course, is not mammograms. And Susan G. Komen is a a charade of an organization. I have an episode here at The Awakened Man on that. Scroll down. It's probably episode 150, 160. And go check out Confessions of an Obi Shaw. Post an honest review and subscribe for both. Until next time, take care. God bless. Wish me a happy birthday. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Contributed to Nine Inch Nails.